The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. morning, I'm Edwin Herman and it's time for another episode of The Boys of Tech, a weekly roundtable podcast covering the latest internet and technology stories. And this episode is number 84 for Monday 20 September 2010. As per usual, my co-host Brett King joins us over Skype. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hello. Now I'll tell you a funny story which isn't really part of the show, but we can talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. A, a wee while ago, it was about a couple of weeks ago now, did you see the story about Steve Jobs being detained? No, no, I did not see that story. Well, a Japanese tabloid, SPA, apparently ran a story saying that Steve Jobs was detained when attempting to board his own private plane. Apparently, so the story goes, that he had, or they discovered uh, through an x-ray, that he had some ninja stars, some throwing stars in his luggage, in his carry-on luggage. Huh? Yeah. Now, of course, uh, Apple say this is a complete fabrication. It's entirely false. There's no such thing. And why would Steve Jobs want to be hijacking his own private plane? Yeah, that is uh, that is a good uh, point they make there. Um, if you <laughs> yeah. wanted the plane to fly somewhere else, he could just ask. Exactly. He just needs to open his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you go. It's apparently it's a complete fabrication. Well, at least that's what Apple's saying. And the article actually went on to claim that Jobs had said he's never going to return to Japan again. And of course, Apple have again also refuted that part as well, saying that that Steve had a great time in Japan and hopes to visit again soon. <laughs> Bit of a weird one, that one. If, if it's completely false, why would they write that? Um, why would they do that? What's wrong with these slow people? Slow news day? <laughs> it must be. You got sick of writing about the storm? I mean, I've heard of stories being, well, yeah, I've heard of stories being slightly inaccurate or getting the facts a little bit twisted, but a complete fabrication? Why Why do people do this? I, I don't get it. Maybe to sell papers, like you say. It's a slow news day. Yeah, slow news day. Let's make something up. Well, it has been a bit of a slow news week in the week just been, but we do have... It was a slow news week last week, too. It was. Nothing's happening. We're all holding what? out. What is this? Uh, it's going to come a rush. You... You mark my words. We'll come December, <laughs> yeah. right when we take our, you know, our, our hiatus, and that's where everything will come along. Yeah, probably. And, and by, by the time we get to our our first 2011 episode in January to report it all, everyone will have known it and go, oh, what "Yeah, are these it'll guys be like it'll about? have been this, this epic, brilliant thing." And you know, it'll be old hat by the time we start to talk about it. What could be so brilliant, Brett? Maybe the iPad going open source. Ah, okay, you're right, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't think that. It'd be more likely Apple now supporting Flash on the iPhone. But no, but that's that is now. That's true. Did you see the uh the you know how they've opened up the uh we talked about that last week, was it? They they opened up the Well, not Flash. It hasn't happened, but they've opened up the uh what is it? The the developer license thing that allows you to develop apps. apps. But yeah. it's for third-party apps to develop things which are then converted to run on the iPhone. It's not to allow Java to run on the iPhone. Oh, I thought it included that. Did it not include that? 
No, 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 not to include the actual running or flash on the iPhone. But that's not what I what I got out of that. What I got out of that was it's reopened the ability to use third party converters to convert an app written in one format to the iPad format, the iPhone OS format. I should take a listen to episode eighty three again. Did it, was I actually was I even there? Maybe not. Might have been talking to Robot Ed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before, look, before we go down that tangent, I think we should kick off the show with our first story. And it is, of course, related to the iPad. It's the Samsung Galaxy Tab tablet. Yes. What do you I reckon? Wanna, I think it looks pretty flash. So tell our listeners a little bit about it. How does it compare with the iPad, which is, was the first one off the mark? Well, it's ever so slightly smaller. It's slightly lighter. It's got twice as much RAM. It has expandable memory. It's got two cameras on it. It's looking to come in both a 3G with Wi-Fi and just a Wi-Fi only version and will, as most of these things are these days, will be running Google Android. So it's uh, looking to basically one-up the iPad on everything, except it's slightly smaller. So yep. look, Brad, you know, I think some episodes ago, not long after the iPad was launched, you said the three things, because I remember this now, the three main areas where the iPad falls over was the lack of camera, mm-hmm. the lack of flash support, and mm-hmm. the lack of storage. Yep. Those were the three things, if I remember correctly, what you said. And those three things have been answered by this Samsung Galaxy Tab. Indeed. The Samsung Galaxy Tab contains the three things which would make it a, you know, a tablet that I would want to purchase. Unfortunately, it's just come a little too late because I already bought something. <laughs> but, but not a tablet device. No, no, I went and bought an HP Mini. You bought a netbook? Yeah. But you can, you can, you can still buy a, a tablet as well. They have oh, different, different no. purposes. Really? Do they? Yeah, on the couch. Oh. Ah, but I, I use my netbook on the couch. Ah, that's not as good. You need one of these. Or if I want to browse the internet from the lounge room, I could just do that on my telly now. Oh, yeah, but would <laughs> you really want to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would I need to, to, to browse a web page on a ginormous screen when I could look at it on a little one? You can have like three internets on that huge 55-inch Sony television of yours. Well, it does have picture-in-picture and split-screen, so I can actually watch telly on one half of it and browse the internet on the other, so. Nice. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) So right now, I don't have a a niche that a tablet would fill, because I filled that niche, not with a tablet, but with something which works just as, you know, works well enough. But had I not bought it, I would seriously consider the Samsung Galaxy Tab. So you know, when Apple first came out with the iPod, they were first in the market and they basically owned the market. They still do. They're, they're about yep. 76, 77% of the market. Yep. Now, with these, with these tablet devices, they were first, Apple again, were first off the mark and now everyone else is doing pretty much the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling, and I want to know what, what you think about this, Brett. I've got a feeling that they're not necessarily going to own this market. No. No, I do not think they will own this market. The Apple products in this particular niche have some shortcomings. They have some failings, which competitors in this same niche will be able to pick up on and will scoop that market. Whereas your standard iPod is an MP3 player. And, well, 
other than sticking the ability to play movies and that sort of stuff, which Apple have done, and putting our own FM radio in it, oh, look, Apple's done that too. What are the competitors going to do in that market? They are basically even Stevens in the, the technology in those devices, but Apple has its brand, it has its absolute brilliance at user interface and design to, to fall back on. And so that's how they've really kept their share there. When you say, you went, you know, when you're talking about your MP3 player, you don't say, oh, I'm going to stick it on my MP3 player or I'm just listening to an MP3 player. And people say, oh, you know, I'm going to put it on my iPod. I'm going to just listen to my iPod. It's become relatively synonymous with MP3 player. Whereas the, the iPad and tablets, is, it's quite a different marketplace. They have not cornered the niche in features. There are many features that their devices are lacking and where the competitors can bring in and start to scoop away at some of Apple's share. Yeah, but as you said, the same was true of, of MP3 players as well. They didn't have the FM tuner was the big one. I remember this. When colleagues used to buy their MP3 players, the, the non-iPod ones, non-Apple mm-hmm. ones, they, you know, I used to ask them, oh, why would you get that? And they said, oh, because they had an FM tuner or because it, it can play movies or can play WMV and whatever else that the, the iPod didn't. Yep. So they were, what I'm getting at was they, the iPods were also lacking in features when they yeah, first came Apple out. Yeah, but Apple was really quick to come up with products which did support those features. Well, I don't know. The FM tuner is only in the last iteration, in the last six months. The iPods have been out since whatever it was, 2000 and... Well, yeah, yeah. The, the FM tuner definitely is, has taken them a while. You're saying that they, you're, what you're saying the is they still progressed their technology as they went on. Yeah, yeah, they still progressed their technology as they went on. And also, an FM tuner was not the big draw for an MP3 player. The MP3 player's biggest draw and biggest market is the ability to stick so much music that you've already got onto it, not just, you know, the ability to listen to the radio station while you're on the go. So if Apple came out soon with a updated device, more storage, um, I don't know, maybe even put in the rich storage. Yes, that's well, the, expandable that's storage. the key to right. the tablet devices. Because that's one of the other things. With the, the, the tablet PC is that blurring the lines between the smartphone sort of device and the PC. That's why it's called a tablet PC. It's that blurred line. People expect it to be able to do more than a smartphone and for them to be able to do some of the things that they would do with a PC on it. So let me ask you this. If Apple were soon to come out with a new model that addressed those issues, the, the, those shortcomings, as you say, the expandable storage, the lack of cameras and flash support, would that, would that be enough to perhaps secure the market or is, is it really just never going to happen? I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen there. There are too many big companies pushing behind uh, alternate tablet products. See, I think I'd be in the same boat as you. I'd say the same thing. I don't think it's going to happen. But when I try to analyze it, I just can't put my finger on what it is that's different with the iPod market. I really don't. I don't see it. It is a really, it's an interesting one when you think about it. Because when you compare it to, for instance, ebook readers, who came out with the first ebook reader? Was it the Kindle or something like that? That was at least one of the early ones, if not the first. Mm. And, you know, Kindle made a huge name for it, but they didn't corner the share. It's like, Dozens of other ebook readers out there yeah, but that you could get now, and there's no sort of dominance that I can see in that sort of market. And just for some reason, the iPod has that 
has that that dominance well, the Kindle, has that the, sort the, of it factor which they've not been able to maintain for the the other devices yeah, where it, they have it, really good competitors and really flash devices for the other ones it's as if the competing mp3 player manufacturers just aren't putting the effort into it that's the competing tablet and competing smartphone manufacturers are putting in just on go back to the ebook readers i i've got figures from last year now the kindle in the and this is us these are us figures all right the kindle had a 45 percent market share they were first and sony uh next at 30 so the kindle is or was anyway last year Mm -hmm. that's the figures i have was the leading one, yep. but I guess not as much as the iPod. Is that, is that what you're saying? It's not like at the 75, 76%. Is that, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, uh, I, I don't think you can predict these things. I really don't. Well, it could also be the fact that for smartphone devices, for tablet devices, they have humongous feature sets. Whereas when you think of an MP3 player, there's not a lot of feature set that you could build into an MP3 player that doesn't become, you know, a superfluous sort of crossover device, like the iPod Touch, for instance, which is kind of the bizarre crossover between, it's like an iPhone mated with an iPod and came out with something which had good bits from both, but lacked the defining bits of, you know, the main part. <laughs> so, I think what's interesting, though, is in a lot of cases, Apple has been, even if they haven't been owning the markets, they've been setting the trends. And, you know, like when the first iPhone came out, now we have a whole bunch of phones that look like the iPhone. Yeah, a lot of touch. Yeah, exactly. They were the pioneers for touch. That's right. And same with the iPad. Like if you look at these devices, the HP one, the the Samsung Galaxy Tab, and what were the others we covered, the the proposed Dell one, they all Mm -hmm. look like... An iPad. Now, I guess you could say, well, what else are you going to get? Yeah, yeah what, exactly. what are you going to make it look like? You could make it round. You could go the, you know, <laughs> yeah, the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> route and cut the corners off of everything that's square. <laughs> How are you going to make it different looking that is still going to be usable? There's a certain form factor for these sorts of devices, and you can't really go out of those form factors. Maybe the um, Dell one, when they finally release it, they'll make it round. Like a circle. But, you know, that's how one of our episodes got the title The World Wide Web is Basically Square because we talked about, we we sort of toyed around with the idea of a, a round circular device and you said, of course, that's not going to work because the World Wide Web is basically square. Indeed. <laughs> you couldn't have a round device. You couldn't have this beautiful oval or egg-shaped device which you could just cup in your hand and look longingly at when what you would see would be this beautiful round screen with a square in the middle of it, which is your browser window. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't work. Well, you can have widgets around the side, the bits that don't fill in. I don't know. Well, you could, you could. But then, you know, you'd, you'd lose that beautiful roundness. Yeah, it's no longer round. When you it? want your little windows inside it to all be little round windows too. <laughs> Maybe someone should have designed the web round. Have a round uh, web. Well, it would be really annoying trying to format for it, wouldn't it? It's like, well, I, I want my page to look a certain size. That means I can have one word at the top. Oh, wait, no, that word's too long. Okay, I can have <laughs> yeah. one word halfway down, <laughs> a quarter of the way down the screen, because that's where the word will fit. And then I can have four words across that line. I can have six words across that line. Oh, I'll 
crap, I can only have four words across that line because I'm using a really big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All your divs and, would be specific. And the printers and the paper. It's like either you're wasting <laughs> round paper. paper because your paper's square. What's wrong with round paper? Yeah. You have to work out printers that handle round paper. Yeah, what's wrong with that? It's really hard to feed through. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you don't then have to worry about the orientation. Exactly, because it's it's a circle. (laughs) And all your divs, when you're doing HTML, all your divs would be specified by radius because that's all you need. And it would be horrible to try and work them all out. Okay, this is the most (laughs) crazy conversation I've ever had. And it would be so wasteful. (laughs) The amount of wasted space on the paper and on your screen would be horrible trying to fit things into circles. Oh, man. Unless okay, people no. <laughs> started to read in spirals instead of reading in lines, like, you know, in straight um, horizontal lines. We all read in spirals around the circle. <laughs> but then that would end up, you know, you'd have to have your brain that would be able to recognize every single orientation of a word. And then you'd have words which look like <laughs> other words when they're upside down. And you would go, oh, am I reading from the outer rim inwards? And oh, crap, which way, which way is the start of this outer rim? Oh, do I start here and then work around? And is that pod or is it pod? Oh, wait, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> you have taken this argument way further than I thought anyone could take this argument. <laughs> and that... Uh is why the internet is square. That is why the internet is square. Thank you very much. That's our title for this episode, episode 84. Wonderful. On to our second story then. In Switzerland, apparently it turns out that investigating P2P data and collecting data on P2P sharers and users is illegal. Because <laughs> there's a company called Logistep that was doing this for a long time in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And they were collecting, I think they were working for the you know copyright people yeah, they yeah. were working for the... The for rights the, owners. Yeah, they were collecting stuff, weren't they? They were yeah, collecting, collecting IP, addresses IP addresses and files and see what people are sharing. Yep. But apparently it turns out, according to a court in Switzerland, that that is illegal because that sort of level of data collection is something that is normally only reserved for the state, not Indeed, for private enterprise. because IP addresses are personal private data. It's private information. And you cannot gather private information in Switzerland unless you are government pursuing a criminal investigation. How would you treat, philosophically, is an IP address personal information? Well, um, I would consider it the same as your actual address, your home address. And your home address is considered private information, or not technically private, but personal information. I think a phone number is probably a, a better analogy, and I say that simply because you get assigned IP addresses, you get assigned phone numbers. Uh, you know, a, a street address you can kind of well, technically it is assigned. Well, actually, true. Yeah, okay. You could say that like the I council has assigned that house. My, yeah, okay. My, my address is going to be number one. I live at one. Kelvin Parade. Well, actually, well, there was that story on on the TV not long ago, well, it's a wee while ago now, about a street that had two number sixes. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, and it, they were fighting over who should because there were two number sixes and no number three or something bizarre like that. I don't know. <laughs> it was really How does that happen? I, I don't know. I could, they went through the story, but it's a while ago now, and I don't recall. But it it's was like they 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 had one contractor or one council member who was there to oversee the changing of the the, the renumbering of the street, and he existed, and he got it all the way up to six. And then he lost the next election or their company was sacked. And so they brought in a new contractor or a new councilman to do it. 
And they started from six, but they started from a house over. Well, that sounds plausible. They, 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 they wouldn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Wouldn't and, surprise and me. And then you get two sixes. And then it was something to do with, to renumber. I think number one would have to relinquish their position and they didn't want to because they like being number one and all this sort of rubbish. And I don't know yeah. how that happened, but it happened. <laughs> it's hilarious. The details I'm giving you might be a little bit, little bit off, but it's, mm. it's along well, those how lines. Do they treat, how do they treat phone numbers and addresses in Switzerland? The, do they consider that personal data? I would. I I, guess I'm pretty sure. Personal data. I would say they uh, would. They would consider that personal data. If there are courts considered IP addresses, which are basically the same thing for the internet, personal data. So I, I would say that they are have followed the word of their law. One of the critics of the court decision says that soon Switzerland, and I actually I quote here, soon Switzerland is likely to have the reputation of a safe haven not only for tax evaders but also for copyright infringers. What do you think, Brett? Too strong or, or a fair comment? I would say too strong. They're upholding their laws. See, I would say this. Is there someone, is there a government agency that is collecting this stuff? Because if they're not, and of course no private enterprise can do it, then you could. I think that statement's almost true. But uh, it's, you know... They're upholding the the right to their citizens' privacy, the protection of their personal information. They're not saying that you can't. They're still saying that if you know, if there are criminal investigations, if the government or the police force, any of those sorts of things need to investigate, then they can because so they have the power to. Right. But a private company cannot go around grabbing and mining and picking up personal data from Swiss citizens. It is only the government who can do that to its citizen. I think the Swiss government is upholding the privacy and the rights of their citizenry. And good on them for doing that. I mean, that's what a government should be doing. It should be looking yeah. after its laws and protecting its citizens. I, I guess the, the question is, do, you know, do people agree with that law? But, I mean, that's not, not for anyone to say apart from Switzerland. Precisely, it, because they are upholding their own laws. And under international law, they can do that. <laughs> Having said that, the uh, company now says it's probably just going to hop across the border and operate from out there. Well, where, where it is legal. They, yeah. And they can do that. I mean, and, and they can do that. They're just not going to be able to prosecute anybody who ends up having their. I, well, they're going to have to block their detection of any IP addresses that come from Switzerland. No, no. I think they're going to be doing that from outside the border, but still. What I understand is that they're still going to be scanning the, the Swiss uh, IP number space. But it's illegal to do that. It's only, a, no, well, the Swiss laws can only apply to Switzerland. Well, exactly, but why would they bother skimming that information when they're not going to be able to use it for anything? Well, you don't think they can bring in prosecutions? They could hand the information over to prosecutors, to the copyright people. They could, right but then they couldn't use that information to identify people. You don't think so? No. Because, as this ruling has just said, that it's illegal to gather that information. In Switzerland. But if it's been gathered somewhere else, surely. I mean, if, if someone gathers, if a US company determines that your IP address has been downloading, I don't know, episodes of MacGyver or something, surely they can still prosecute you. They can hand that over to the New Zealand courts and you'll be tried here under New Zealand law, just with evidence from the US. Why wouldn't that work the same? I Well... See, this is, this is one of those tricky areas where you'd have to prosecute me here. So if I was a Swiss citizen, you'd have to prosecute me in Switzerland, right? Yeah. For breaking the law. But you'd be using evidence which was gained 
by what would have been an illegal measure in the country where you're trying to prosecute me. So would you be able to bring that evidence into play? I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm no lawyer. I, I'm just going from what I think would happen, and I think it would, it would be allowed, but I could be wrong. Who knows? It's, it's certainly very messy. You know, what makes it so messy is, is that the EU has its own set of rules that, that cover all the, the member countries, the member states. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember, Switzerland is one little island in the middle of the EU that is actually technically not a member. Yeah, it is not a member and of that's the EU. Why, yeah, that's why its laws uh, can be somewhat out of step from the, the, uh, the rest of Europe. Yeah, but even Europe itself, the EU laws are very specific over the protection of personal privacy, of um, data privacy. They do have, um, you know, some pretty hardline strict requirements over data retention, um, but they are also, you'd need to consult a lawyer really, but it seems iffy that if the country that you're prosecuting in says that the collection of that information is illegal, but you collect it outside of that country, but then try to use it in evidence in a case in that country, would that country find that evidence inadmissible because it had been gathered by its court's definition as being an illegal activity? You put an interesting point forward. I don't know. Good good point. Uh, I, I guess, look, uh, yeah, who knows? Now, Brent, I, I saw a story that might interest you. Gamers apparently make faster decisions than non-gamers, and guess what? They are just as accurate. Yeah. Does it surprise you? Not really. Does not surprise me at all, in fact. They've done some studies. They had a little test where they had some moving dots on the screen and you had to sort of guess the direction of those dots. They were kind of random, but there was an overall sort of direction in which they were moving. Mm. And the gamers could detect the direction faster and also just as accurately as the non-gamers. It's all about the brain and which area the brain is stimulated Mm. And gamers, you know, with the gamers, it stimulates the part of the brain that allows them to make quick decisions and accurate decisions. Yeah, make quick decisions with less information. With less information, yeah, that's the key thing. So you're a gamer, Brett. You can probably decide a lot quicker than I can then. Yeah. What about when you go to, I don't know, McDonald's or Burger King or something? Does, do you decide pretty quickly? No, no. When it comes to money, I, I ponder for ages. Unless I'm really hankering for something, in which case, you know. I've gone to Burger King because I want something. <laughs> right, but if you're in your peripheral vision, you saw Steve Jobs with some ninja stars, you'd react a lot quicker than I would. Possibly. So I might live, well, you might get a ninja star to the head, but at least you will have died in a very newsworthy sort of way. <laughs> Edwin Herman dies from a ninja star from Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh, goodness me. There's a little bit of research that I thought would interest you. And that concludes the international stories of the podcast. We're going to take a short musical interlude. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about analog TV ending here in New Zealand. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. Now, apparently the year 2013 is going to be the year that analog TV here in New Zealand finally comes to an end. What do you reckon? Oh, what a shame. Yeah, it's an end of a... An it's an end of an era. era. Yeah, it is. It is. But isn't it... It's just like black and white, isn't it? Remember, black and white ended and everything was in colour? Yep. Now, colour analogue is dying and it's digital. Yep. It's just, but at least, you know, when there was the transition from black and white to colour, your black and white television stat didn't stop working. That's a good point. 
Because with digital, you need a decoder. Yeah, you need to have a digital decoder. You either need to have Freeview or Sky TV or something like that. The stats show that currently 65% of New Zealand homes have either a Sky or a Freeview-enabled television set. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a good number, and, you know, to be honest, they have to make this move eventually. I mean, you might as well nuke it while you have the opportunity. Yeah, well, it's a big windfall for the government, really, because then they could get to auction off all of that oh, analog yeah. spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And we know that there's, there are people chomping at the bits. The telecoms are chomping at the bits to get their hands on that extra <laughs> spectrum bandwidth up there. I'd like to use some for my own TV station. That's what I want to do. Ooh, yeah. But I don't think you can because then why would they, you know, like they're ending analog TV. So I guess they exactly. won't, won't be allowed you'd to ha- TV. You'd have no television that'd be able to get it. Well, there'd be that as well. <laughs> They've been putting it off for ages because they, they don't want, you know, there'll be a huge amount of backlash from people forced to buy something new. They'd well, have to <laughs> wait till there's a certain saturation point Yeah, because, yeah, they, the, they've got to give it a certain amount of time. So there's the saturation point of digital TVs in the marketplace have been around for long enough that most people will have upgraded to a digital television before the switchover because you don't want the angry backlash of people who just forked out huge amounts of money for a brand new analog television. Can you still buy them? Not anymore. But I mean, you know, back when they were first first talking about this. Okay, so the year 2013 is when analog TV is likely to die it makes sense, I guess, the year. It's, it's sensible to have it so soon. Uh, well, the prevalence of Freeview televisions these days, the cheapness of just getting a Freeview box, because you don't need even need to get a television which is enabled. You could just get the Freeview decoder. Yeah, and actually, I, that, that's pretty true. cheap yeah. these days. And you want to keep your 21, 29 inch CRT, just buy one of those. So I think, yeah, 2013 is pretty good. Yeah, 2013, I agree. And, you know, it's a year after 2012. So all of those people who think everything's going to end don't need to upgrade. (laughs) Oh, very good. I like it. They've got another year to work out, you know, after 2012 goes past that, oh, wait, nothing ended. I better buy a Freeview box. (laughs) (laughs) They still have another year. So it, it actually works out quite well. It was very... A very good thinking, in fact, to choose 2013. Oh, good one, Brett. Thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me. That's it. I'm concluding the show. Episode 84 is all wrapped up. And, Brett, you've been a wonderful co-host once again. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right. Thank you very much to the listeners. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on board every week like this. And please do catch us for episode 85 next week. Till then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.